We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. From KMOX Sports. The young swings and lifts a high fly ball. Billikens win! Billikens win! This is Sports Open Line. It's a grand slam! Touchdown! City. On America's Sports Voice, yes! KMOX. Not only is this Sports Open Line, it is a very special edition of Sports Open Line. Tonight is the MLS Expansion Draft, St. Louis City SC. We are going to learn as many as five new players. In all likelihood, five new players will be added to the roster through the Expansion Draft. A lot of uh, teams uh, not eligible to have their players selected because uh, they were part of the last expansion draft, but uh, some teams will not get anybody selected anyways because only five players. It's a draft where uh, originally 12 players were selected for expansion teams, then they went down to 10. Now they are down to five, and we are literally awaiting the first pick at this moment. My name is Matt Pauley. We're bringing in somebody who knows a whole lot more about this stuff than uh, than I do. You heard him as the play-by-play voice of uh, the City 2 games as they made their fantastic postseason run. He is Nate Gatter. Follow him on Twitter, by the way, at Nate, G-A-T-T-E-R. Nate, Good to have you. How are you? It's great to be here, Matt. I'm doing well. How are you? I am good. I'm excited for this, and I think City fans are very excited for this because some very prominent future players of the team potentially being selected in the next half hour or so. Yeah, it's really interesting because there are a lot of different ways that City could go with this. Of course, expansion drafts are not new to MLS. They've been adding teams left and right over the last decade, although we're hearing that this could be just about the end of the line for where MLS sees themselves. Uh, but teams leaving players unprotected, you're only allowed to protect 12 players, plus you get some automatic protections from homegrown players and those sorts of generally younger players who have been with the team for an extended period of time. But there are some big-name players out there, including a couple of the uh, highest-paid players in the league, guys who have salaries $2 million plus, which is not seen a lot in MLS. So those big names are out there. And then also some more exciting young players, maybe guys who have fallen out of favor with their teams, or do they opt to use it, the leverage that comes from having these expansion draft uh, opportunities to try to use that for something else, say, select a player with the intention of trading him, even in some cases we've seen players selected and then traded back to their original teams in past expansion drafts, all sorts of different ways that City can choose to go with this. And uh, it's going to tell us a lot about where the team see themselves as of this point and ultimately where Lutz Van Steel and the rest of that brain trust want to go between now and kickoff in February. Is there a path that tends to be more successful, either really looking at guys that you want to be on your team versus looking for guys that you can then spin off for more assets? That's a good question. I think generally speaking, especially for a team like City, who have spoken about not wanting to be overly reliant on the designated player route for people who don't know, you're allowed up to three designated players who don't count effectively against your roster budget. They count only up to a certain threshold, and you can go over that spending as much money as you want without any subsequent dollars past that threshold counting against the salary cap each year and some teams spend astronomical amounts of money on those players 
it, City don't want to do that. Um, Lutz has been pretty adamant about uh, what he likes to say is they don't have DPs. They have a DT designated team. Um, he's been a little bit criticized for that at times. There's, there's been some conversation on Twitter about that being City wanting to not spend as much money before they've even started playing. I don't think that's quite right, considering the commitment the ownership have shown not only to the quality of stadium they have, but to bringing in some of these European players who have been training with City 2 the last six, seven months now without even getting to play in a real MLS game. That's a lot of payroll before you've even kicked off a, a single MLS match. Uh, so, But from, with that in mind, that City don't want to overextend themselves on those players, that the team approach is very important to them, I think for my money they're going to be better served going for some younger, higher potential players because those are the kinds of guys that Lutz Vantage Steel and head coach Bradley Carnell really value working with and or those guys they think they can swap, either in a trade within the league, maybe even a guy or two who you feel like you can sell to a European team and try to make some money off of. I, I think that option is less likely. If I were a betting man, I would say two for sure, maybe three of these five will end up being players who contribute for City next year. For the technical staff, for just the entire soccer operations, do you feel like because there's a this this organization has a very European feel to it when it comes to a lot of the decision makers? Do you feel like there's a learning curve that goes along with just the the intricacies that go along with MLS soccer that's different than what we see uh, European? There absolutely is. There's no question about that. There is a huge difference uh, between MLS and basically any other league in terms of all these intricacies of the salary cap and those sorts of details. Um, at the same time, I do think that uh, they've done a good job of trying to assist Lutz Vanishu with that learning curve in large part, hiring him now more than two years ago. He's had all of that time. Plus he has a head coach in Bradley Carnell with serious MLS experience. And they brought in John Hackworth from uh, Louisville city, a, a prominent USL team and essentially the AAA of American soccer who has done and won almost everything you can. He's been an MLS head coach, so he has a lot of MLS experience around him. All right, we're about to have a historic moment. Are you ready for this? I am very ready. The uh, first selection in the expansion draft for City SC. Let's listen in. Yeah, our first pick, Nico Joachini from Orlando City. Nico Giorchini, I believe it was, from Orlando City, uh, is the selection. This is and, and one of the challenges about covering this is the pool of players that are available to be drafted is so vast. It's a lot tougher than other expansion drafts that we've seen. You know, the, in hockey, we've seen a couple NHL expansion drafts over the last five years or so, and there's a very finite number of players that are available. This is not like that. So uh, any initial reaction to, uh, to this? I think, first of all, it, it makes a lot of sense for what we were just talking about. He's a young kid. He just turned 22 years old in July. He's from Kansas City, so you're bringing him home-ish, at least to the Midwest, although he's been well-traveled since then, uh, spent part of his childhood in, in Italy and then uh, on the East Coast, primarily in Maryland. He's played back in Europe, and then he's been with Orlando City uh, and made six appearances with the first team last year, importantly. And again, this is one of those things that we've talked about that for a casual fan is really not that important to know, but is integral from the perspective of the front office in a, in on a night like tonight. He's a U22 initiative player, which we don't need to get into the details of what exactly that means, but basically he's eligible to occupy 
a specific slot on the roster of which St. Louis City have three for these players who are U22 initiative players. And they all three of those were open coming into tonight. So he fills one of those slots immediately. So I think he makes sense from a roster construction standpoint. And again, a guy who's young and who's on the rise. And that's something that Luch Fanagil has been very consistent about wanting players who are not yet at their ceiling, not yet finished products. I feel like this is a dumb question, but I'm going to ask it nonetheless when you're going through an expansion draft, I know they've acquired some players. They've actually been fairly active over the last couple weeks. But when you're going through this period, um, are, are there any areas on the roster from a positional standpoint? He's a winger. Were you expecting them to focus more on uh, any select position group? Um, I think not necessarily. Certainly we'd be shocked if they select a goalkeeper, considering uh, what they have invested in Roman Berkey and, and his European experience at Borussia Dortmund and bringing him over. I think they feel pretty good with Klaus, one of their two DPs, uh, as, as their striker, as well as Edward Leuven in the, in the center of the midfield, one of the other DPs. So I, I think the spine of the team is in a pretty good place in that regard. Um, but even then, like we've talked about, if you think there's really good value for some reason on selecting even a goalkeeper who you know is extraordinarily unlikely to ever get on the field for City, that doesn't rule out selecting one if you think you can leverage that into something that benefits you in a trade. All right, the second pick is in. This audio, by the way, courtesy of YouTube, courtesy of uh, the MLS as they are going through their live draft show. Let's get the second pick for St. Louis City SC. Indy Vasilev from Inter Miami. Okay, so that was uh, Indiana Vasilev, I believe is how you, uh, how you say that. From Inter-Miami uh, is where he is uh, coming in. He is also a winger. Yeah, the interesting thing about this is that Inter-Miami actually don't own his rights. He, he's technically an Aston Villa player in the Premier League. Again, another very young player, an American, just 21 years old. He'll be 22 in February, just before kickoff of, of next MLS season. He's been on loan from Villa, only made four appearances for them as, as they've become uh, really a, a strong mid-table uh, side in the Premier League the last couple of years uh, on loan in the lower tiers of, of the English leagues and then the last two years with Inter-Miami. A, a player who has 45 MLS ex- uh, appearances, that's not insignificant at all. Um, another another player who can play on the wing, so I think we're seeing that as an area where City 2 want to add some pieces. Um, but again, these are all, as compared to what a lot of the prognosticators were looking at, these are much younger players who are not quite as established as some of the bigger names available in the pool. Two picks are in, three more to go. Again, Nicholas Giacchini from Orlando City SC and Indiana Vasilev from Inter Miami are the two selections. Three more picks to go. We should have those coming up uh, in our next segment. This is Sports Open Line, a special MLS expansion draft edition of the program. We're back with more in a moment on KMOX. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 
This is America's Sports Voice, KMOX. A very special edition of Sports Open Line as we are going live with the MLS expansion draft. It is continuing on. Five new players coming in to St. Louis City SC. My name is Matt Pauley. Nate Gatter, you heard him on all the City 2 broadcast, the play-by-play broadcaster. You also hear him do some Mizzou stuff on the SEC network. Very happy to have Nate in with us. And let's go ahead and get to it. Two picks are in. The third pick about to be made. Well, number three, Jonathan Bell, New England Revolution. That audio, again, courtesy of YouTube and also the MLS as they go through their live stream of uh, the expansion draft. So uh, that third pick that you just heard, it is Jonathan Bell, a defender uh, from the New England Revolution. Yeah, it's a really good side in MLS. Obviously, New England have been consistent. One of those uh, old MLS teams dating back decades uh, as compared to now City uh, getting just off the ground uh, in February. I like this. We were talking about areas of need. I do think you could point to fullback as one where they could use a little bit more of experience. And I think John Bell, the idea would be that he, as compared to the first couple of guys they've taken, is probably a little bit more of an immediate contributor. Vasilev probably as well. You know, with Giacchini, you're going a little bit younger. And, you know, is he part of the first team? Probably. Is he an immediate starter? Probably not, I would say. Uh, Bell is somebody who who could probably play bigger minutes for them early on next season, I would think. Um, he brings a, a little bit more experience. He's a little bit older as well at 25 as compared to the other two um, in their early 20s. Uh, but a, another guy who has substantial experience in MLS, 27 appearances for the Revolution, and uh, I, I think a good addition in an area. I don't know that I'd go as far as calling it an area of need necessarily as compared to some other places, but I think if you singled out where do City not have a lot of substantial professional experience, it would be a fullback. You know, I I would have to think, and obviously we are a very pro-St. Louis uh, broadcast here, I would have to think in a lot of expansion drafts, maybe if you're coming from one of those uh, more well-established, well-supported teams, you might not love being selected, but at the same time, here we are just down the street with this beautiful stadium setting records on season ticket deposits. These say there aren't going to be single game tickets available for the most part. I mean, this is going to be season ticket holders sold out every single game. We know about St. Louis as a soccer market. I have to think this is one of those rare situations where if you're being selected, especially if you're walking into a spot where you're going to maybe have a, have a bigger role than where you're at currently, this is a really good landing spot for you. Yeah, I would think so. And, and you know, we've seen it's a mixed bag in terms of how MLS teams generally do shortly after expansion. Um, FC Cincinnati were mired at the very bottom of the league for three years. On the other hand, Atlanta United, to a slightly lesser extent, LAFC, uh, have had pretty much immediate success. Uh, Inter Miami, it was sort of in between. There, That was a little bit of a haphazard introduction to the league because of the infrastructure of the club and, and how little of that was in place when they started playing. But they've been able to improve quickly now. They have a different strategy than what City will endorse. They have a, a little bit more of a sexiness around that club than I think City want to create with, the, you know, Lutz has talked about wanting Midwestern values around the team and, and wanting a team that's uh, that's going to be sort of blue collar and hardworking and, and create a place where opponents don't want to come that he thinks will resonate more with St. Louis than maybe the uh, kind of flash and dash that a, that a Miami goes with. But we have seen teams be able to come into the league and compete right away and even really excel in years two and three. Take Austin FC, for example. I mean, a below average first year, but they were in the semifinals this year. I mean, I, I don't think if, if I were a player, 
I don't think I would be upset about coming to St. Louis just because it's a new team. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, certainly not one that has as much infrastructure for an expansion team as they do. Another pick is in. Let's listen in. Number four. Well, another lefty, uh, John Nelson, FC Cincinnati. All right, that is John Nelson. He is a defender, FC Cincinnati. Um, mentioned the fact that he's a lefty. So that's that's back-to-back now uh, defenders that have been selected. Yeah, I, I think uh, it's it speaks to the youth that City do have ba- at the back. Um, they have Joaquin Nielsen, uh, who we haven't gotten to see play yet. He was hurt uh, during the, the majority of the MLS Next Pro season, so we didn't get to see him get any minutes with City 2 as we did some of the other first-team players. Uh, but but generally, most of their uh, their European signings have been midfielders and players going forward, in addition to Roman Berkey, of course, in goal. Um, they had really, really good defensive aspects to the City 2 team, in particular Josh Yarrow and City he- and uh, Kyle Hebert, both of whom have earned contracts in MLS uh, next year with City. Uh, so we'll see a- exactly how things shake out back there, but I think it makes sense that they would be concerned with sort of building from the back a little bit there with, with John Bell at center back and, and John Nelson, the lefty, as he mentioned, who can, who can be at left back. Um, I think that that's a good dynamic for them. Uh, and, and a slightly more experienced player who can help take some of the pressure off Selmy or Pedro as well. He's very, very talented, but young. All right. We're hearing some things are happening. They're about to make a fifth pick, but let's uh, hang on after this pick is announced because we might have a little bit more information on it. Number five, Jake Lacava from New York Red Bulls. Okay, so Jake LaCava from the New York Red Bulls. Don't go buy your LaCava jersey quite yet. Uh, it would appear that he is going to be traded to enter Miami uh, in exchange for $150,000 in general allocation money. There's there's a lot of people listening right now who have absolutely no clue what I just said. Yeah, and we don't have enough time tonight. We would take hours and hours to try to fully explain to people all, all the intricacies of, of MLS uh, budget restraints. Essentially, general allocation money is the pool that teams mostly use for trades within the league. Um, and so City have been spending some of their general allocation money in the last few years or a few days, I should say, in order to acquire uh, international roster spots. So each team comes into the year with eight international roster slots. The rest have to be domestic players who are either U.S. citizens or qualify through green cards or otherwise. Uh, and City have used up their eight slots already, but you can trade those slots. So they've acquired uh, three additional slots. Generally, the going rate for those is two hundred, two hundred fifty thousand dollars in general allocation money. They got one for two hundred, a couple more for a hundred each, which sometimes can be using that leverage that we talked about. That they're essentially leveraging the opportunity they have to select a player from a team and saying, if you give us an international slot a little bit cheaper, we can have a handshake agreement not to pull anybody from you in this expansion draft. Uh, And so they've been able to acquire those without spending too much money. I think this makes sense to try to bring some of that money back in. At this point, they've acquired those uh, additional international slots for very, very little. And, you know, if they had four players, they felt like suited their needs you don't want to just pass on that fifth slot. That's leverage that you can use. And in this case, they turned it into $150,000 in general allocation money that could become two hundred fifty dollars with different incentives if they're met. So the expansion draft is technically over. And when the draft was actually taking place, from pick one to pick number five, trades were not allowed to be announced. Once that fifth pick was made, they were allowed to make trades. And we just told you about the one with Jake LaCava uh, being traded to enter Miami. Uh, now we get another one as the team has just announced that they have acquired uh, MLS center back 
Tim Parker uh, from the Houston Dynamo. So they still do end up adding five players to the roster today. And as we talked about, that's three players who are primarily defenders. And I don't think that's surprising. Um, A couple of center backs and a left back. And Tim Parker, in a a move that I think is significant, is by far the most experienced of them. Tim Parker's 29 years old. He's going to turn 30 on February 23rd. That's not a player you acquire in order to develop him. Do they think they could get a little bit more out of them? Almost certainly. You know, that's something that's a core tenet of how St. Louis city want to be that if they find a player who fits their style, that they can get the most out of him. And I, I know some people have speculated that, Tim Parker could be a good fit for City because of that, that they could a change of scenery might help him. Uh, he has experience with Bradley Carnell, a former assistant with New York Red Bulls, where Parker made 79 appearances from 2018 to 2020. Uh, but you're bringing in a guy like Tim Parker to probably be a part of your starting 11 on opening day, certainly to be somebody who's an important piece and, and getting major minutes for City this year. So just to recap, their first selection, a uh, winger and Nicholas Giacchini, excuse me, from Orlando City SC. Their second pick was uh, Indiana Vasilev. He came from uh, technically Inter-Miami. Uh, and then uh, Jonathan Bell from the New England Revolution, a defender. And then John Nelson from FC Cincinnati. They did technically select Jake LaCava, but they end up trading him away for general allocation money, and then they announced that they have acquired Tim Parker from the Houston Dynamo, and at least for now, that appears to be the moves that have made been made. If anything else comes down before we get done, we will certainly let you know about that. But up next, we're going to continue to uh, get some uh, thoughts on what City SC is doing. Charles Boehm, who uh, writes for uh, covers uh, the MLS and uh, writes for a number of publications, he'll join us coming up in just a moment. This this is Sports Open Line on KMOX. Swing it along with the left. That's a grand slam. This is Sports Open Line on America's Sports Voice. Kansas City. KMOX. A very special edition of Sports Open Line as we are covering the MLS expansion draft. All the picks are in. St. Louis City SC also making a couple trades today. Uh, my name is uh, Matt Pauley, continuing on as well with uh, Nate Gatter, and we're very happy to uh, welcome on to the show. He uh, covers uh, the MLS for uh, MLSsoccer.com. You can follow him on Twitter at C-B-O-E-H-M. He is Charles Boehm. Charles, as we go to the Quiver River guest line, appreciate your time. How are you? Charles, are you there? We may not have Charles. Charles, we hear something. We'll uh, we'll try to get Charles here in uh, just a second or so as uh, we continue to kind of recap uh, everything that has gone down uh, during the draft. It, it felt like, and we're seeing whether or not uh, we can get Charles back. It may just be a moment or so. Uh, Nate Gatter continuing to uh, join us as well. Uh it felt like that final move that was made on a trade might end up being the most significant of any of the players that are brought in. Would you agree with that assessment? Yeah, I think so. I mean, Tim, Tim Parker is a good player. Um, the concern for for Tim Parker is his contract that he's you know a seven figure player, which is not common in MLS. And and generally, if you're paying seven figures for a player, you want to be getting really good production. I I know a lot of folks in Houston. Uh, don't feel like he's been up to that contract. At the same time, they didn't pay that much in, in general allocation money. One of the things that I'd, I'd like to understand better, and you know, I, I realize I'm supposed to be the expert here, but there are very few people who I think can qualify as true experts on uh, the intricacies of MLS in this regard. Really? Okay. They could have had the opportunity there to potentially pay 
nothing in allocation money in just in the expansion draft in order to select Parker. Uh, and they would have brought his entire contract with him. I, I'm interested in why they would choose to handle it that way. I mean, you, they got something from LaCava, but best case scenario, you're getting $250,000 out of LaCava's selection and then spending five hundred. So you're still two hundred fifty dollars in the hole for the reported $500,000 that they spent to acquire Parker. Uh, unless there's some other sort of mechanism here that makes sense for them, I, I, and there must be. I'm a little bit confused uh, otherwise why they would have made that move rather than selecting Parker outright. All right, we will try this again. We have uh, Charles Bohm on the uh, Quiver River guest line. Charles, do you have us this time? I do, I do. I was, I had nothing but dead air, so I kept my mouth shut. So nope. I'm, I'm happy to hear you. That's, uh, that's what my wife tells me to do all the time. So that's generally <laughs> a good, uh, good way to go about things. Uh, just opening up, like initial reactions to what St. Louis did today in the expansion draft. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's an intriguing draft. You've got a, you know, a couple of different tastes of how different teams go about this because you saw the, uh, the instant deal. Um, on one of the picks, which which kind of shows you that they're definitely out there working the phones, trying to figure out how to maximize assets, right, and, and collect the allocation money, which is such a big part of, of, of the team building process for a team in St. Louis's uh, situation. Other than that, I think what you're seeing is the uh, the pressing identity of this of this group, the, the the identity they want to have as a young, hungry, sort of hardworking pressing team is starting to become a little bit more clear with emphasizing youth and maybe undervalued assets here. Yeah, Charles, uh, w- one of the things we were just talking about before you came on, and I think we're getting a little bit more news about it now, is this this trade they made right after the draft. Because for the most part, we expected City to be making selections of these younger players. You know, Lutz, uh, Fannersteel, and, and Bradley Carnell have talked a lot about wanting these players who are still ascending and who they can get more out of rather than acquiring the finished product. Tim Parker is is more of the finished product in a guy who's going to be turning 30 as next season kicks off. Obviously, he has experience with Carnell and, and all of that from Red Bulls, but uh, a guy whose contract has not been the most team-friendly for Houston, and we were wondering, well, why would they pay $500,000 in allocation money in order to acquire him after the draft rather than just selecting him for no allocation money? Looks like maybe part of the reason is that Houston's going to keep a chunk of that contract. With that in mind, obviously, we don't know the exact number that Houston would be retaining especially if city isn't paying the the full amount of that contract do you like that acquisition as a more of a a ready-made piece to plug and play well listen if if cardinals fans thought they were getting a sense of capology on the baseball side you're (laughs) about to get a real crash course uh in in mls capology where it's almost even a little more urgent because you know everybody's working in with with constraints that sort of really reward um frugality intelligence resourcefulness right so tim parker was an elite, it is, and I would say you'd say at his peak, he's still an elite MLS center back who is who who made his name or, or had some of his peak years in the Red Bull system, which is going to be you know Luis Fonseca was explicit about the, the the Red Bull DNA in this group, right? And so he was he showed his best in that system, and now you've got a chance to maybe work out a deal with Houston, who are have a new coach and a, and a new ownership group that want to spend some money and and maybe are looking twice at some of the sort of holdovers they have, right? And they've got to make some room on the cap. And so the idea is that maybe we can, you know, 500K is still a, a good value for a player who was, who, who fetched about twice that uh, on the trade market not that long ago. So I think that's, that's the factor you have to keep in mind that you're always trying to get, you know, not just get quality players, but also maximize your value. And then if you can find a way to get t- other teams to help you out or maybe throw some allocation money your way, then you can do so many different things with that. Yeah, that was kind of going to be what I asked you next. Do you feel like there's going to be more opportunities to make moves that are kind of similar to this Parker move uh, during the rest of this offseason? 
Yeah, you know, watching Luz Fonestil is sort of fascinating because this is not necessarily an MLS guy. He he it doesn't come from a you know a heavy MLS background. But you can tell he has this sort of calculating, uh, curious mind where he's adapted and he's quickly figuring out the ropes in this new environment. And he wants to kind of solve this puzzle to try and find the most value for for money and and not waste a dollar. Which, you know, maybe it's a little bit less sexy than you know what you see with LASC and some of the the big market clubs that are that that are getting more glamorous, but you know, for the, the sort of model in MLS these days is Philadelphia Union because that's a team that, you know, is, is an elite team, as we saw, reaches an MLS Cup final on the back of, of these kind of transactions, finding value at every possible opportunity, both home and abroad. Yeah, Charles, uh, one of the other things I wanted to ask you about is, again, because this is getting into sort of the technical oddities of MLS, is with Indiana Vassal of the second selection from Inter-Miami. Technically, Inter-Miami had him on loan, and he still ultimately belongs to Aston Villa, but one of the oddities, if I have this right, of the MLS single entity system is that MLS technically owns that loan contract, and now that can still be transferred to City, and then they can negotiate in some way with Aston Villa? Is that the idea? Yeah, there's maybe maybe Dave and Buster's coins or coupons are sort of analogy here, right? You've got you've got your 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 sort of uh, assets or your your dollars on the international market, and then we your you know global environment, and then you've got your sort of MLS, uh, you know, GAM and TAM and these sort of like monopoly money that some people uh, use as shorthand. And so the idea here is that you've acquired the right to, to the MLS rights to this player and the opportunity to bring them in. But I, I'm very curious to find out. I, I don't know if we'll get more from Lutz and others about whether they've had conversations with, with Vasilev, his people, Aston Villa, about a, a, you know the, the next step of, of his career, or if they're just taking a, a little bit of a role here, acquiring those rights, and then they try and see if they can work out a deal to get the guy back. I'm sure Aston Villa would love to get a return on a player who's sort of been on the fringes of their team. Um, but the idea of value of that player is going to be subjective, as, as we'll find out. With that in mind, just a quick follow-up on that. Do you like that sort of approach, a, a kind of taking, in some ways, a bigger swing, especially if City haven't had detailed discussions with Vasilev or any with Aston Villa? I don't know exactly what the rules would be about what they are and aren't allowed to talk about before having the rights to the player. Do you think that that's a smart use of this from a, from City's perspective? I guess my question is, if you were Lutz Vantage deal, would you be swinging bigger on, on these sorts of ambitious moves, even if there's a chance that you end up getting little to nothing from it? I think the devil's in the details because you you, you know you, you have so many different factors and and in a lot of it comes down to also conversations between the coach and the sporting director you know how much do you want this guy right like how how many resources how much time and trouble are we going to allocate towards making this happen and so it's possible that they've already got something lined up it's possible that there there's a little bit of a dice roll here uh, overarching perspective i get from these picks is that they're looking for value and they feel like they've already built out, you know, a squad, uh, as, as Lute said on the broadcast, the spine of the squad. He sounded like he was very comfortable with what he's already done. And so now they're sort of, uh, you know, decorating the Christmas tree to use his metaphor. So, so we'll, we'll have to see, but there's definitely, there's a big spectrum here. And unfortunately, it's hard to say right at this moment. He is Charles Boehm. You can read him at MLSsoccer.com. Follow him on Twitter at C-B-O-E-H-M. Charles, thank you so much for your time. Hopefully we can continue to tap into uh, your uh, insight here uh, moving forward. 
And well, hey, enjoy the expansion ride, guys, and I uh, hope we'll talk soon. Awesome. Very good. There's Charles Boehm joining us here on Sports Open Line. Uh, we've got more coming up in just a moment. Another guest, uh, Zach Lowy, is going to join us. He's very connected with what uh, St. Louis City SC is uh, doing, and uh, we'll get his thoughts on the expansion draft, which uh, took place about, wrapped up about 15, 20 minutes ago. This is Sports Open Line, a special edition here on KMOX. Your home of the Cardinals. Arnado swings and hits it deep to left field. That ball is out of here. The Billikens. Jumper. Yes! Billikens win! The Chiefs. Touchdown! Kansas City! We are America's sports voice. KMOX. Alongside Nate Gatter, I'm Matt Pauley. It is a special edition of Sports Open Line here on KMOX after St. Louis City SC uh, picks up a number of players in the expansion draft. Also, some trades happening as well. It has been a busy last hour or so. We're very happy to go back to the Quiver River guest line and uh, bring in a guy who covers and uh, writes about the team uh, for the official team website. He is uh, Zach Lowy. You can follow him on Twitter at Z-A-C-H-L-O-W-Y. Zach, thank you so much for your time. How are you? I'm doing very well. Very excited uh, to be discussing St. Louis and their expansion draft. Massive night for the city of St. Louis and the franchise. So, yeah, really excited. What's your initial reaction to what the team did? Look, overall, I think that, uh, you know, St. Louis, they needed to set out to to bring in some experience from MLS. Uh, That is what the expansion draft is there for. It's, It's there to, I think, almost as a safety filter, as a bumper, to make sure that uh, new expansion teams uh, adapt fairly well to life in MLS. And I think that you look at the moves that they've done, you know, bringing in a veteran defender uh, like Tim Parker from Houston, uh, bringing in players like Jake LaCava and as well as Johnny Nelson. I think there are definitely some very uh, intriguing moves from a St. Louis fan's perspective. I think that what they've done so far under Lutz Pansfield uh, it's been to collect and build a really promising young spine, uh, obviously focusing he- heavily on the Bundesliga, but also some other areas of the world, such as uh, Scandinavia. And, of course, the MLS expansion draft, it's unique in that it really allows teams to focus on players with MLS experience. So, yeah, very excited to see how these players uh, work out. Now, looking forward, Zach, I mean, we've been we've spent the last uh, hour or so breaking down these selections. Looking forward, what should City fans be expecting from, you know, the next month or so, next couple of months? Because it's really not very long now remaining, just a, a few months before City will kick off an MLS in, in February. What's left to do? What can City fans still expect in terms of additions and how they'll happen between now and kickoff? Listen, I think from from what I've gotten to uh, to know from Lutz, uh, as well as my conversations with Bradley Carnell and the people within the organization, I think I definitely think that uh, what you're going to see uh, with regards to St. Louis is, is only going to happen on the pitch. And I think that it's perhaps some some fans are looking for a big name signing. And I think there's there's a good chance we could see some. I'm not too sure. I think that Roman Berkey, who I also had the chance to interview, uh, definitely is a big name signing who pr- provides a lot of that experience. But, yeah, I think that St. Louis, what they're doing is something that really focuses on the identity of the team, uh, whether that's, you know, the tactical philosophy or its connection with the community and its fan base. It's something that's really bigger than uh, bringing in an A-list player. So 
I, I think that uh, a lot of these players, not just in terms of the, the players signed tonight, but also a, a lot of these unknown players such as Joao Klaus, uh, they can definitely surprise a few people. And to that end, and you kind of hit on it, but it really feels like the identity of this team and selecting players who fit that is more important at times than maybe, not to say talent level, but it it does seem like there is a clear fit to the organization for everybody that's being brought in. Yeah, 100%. And another thing that um, we have not touched up on is is I really do feel, I really do get the sense that uh, St. Louis are trying to build a holistic uh, community-based approach. And one thing that uh, plays into that is really uh, relying on the academy, okay? And it's, it, it also involves maybe not signing, uh, splurging on your TAM, you know, or designated player money on a player that you could find from the academy. You know, that is something that I, I definitely noticed uh, that Lutz has echoed as well as the other uh, chief figures in the organization so I, I definitely think that's something that uh, people who have only seen the, the next gens will, uh, will get a chance to, to understand. But I think that once the MLS season kicks off, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see how some of those uh, young players shape up. Because, frankly, that's something that I think is, is really bigger than football. It's something that's going to allow this team to build a long-term uh, relationship with the community, right? These, these are going to be St. Louis's own. Uh, developing in the academy and getting chances in the first team. So, for sure, I'm very excited for that as well. He is Zach Lowy. You can read him on uh, City SC's uh, webpage. He's all over the place, writes for a number of different publications, Has a, uh, does some podcast work as well. Just follow him on Twitter at Z-A-C-H-L-O-W-Y, and you can see everything that he's got going on. Zach, thank you so much for your insight into the expansion draft, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you so much. All right, there's Zach Lowy uh, joining us. Starting to wrap up this hour, just real quick, uh, Nate Gatter, I guess the excitement level, and not just to keep going back to that, but it started with City 2. You were right in the middle of that. Now the expansion draft. Have the uh, international friendly coming up, and then before we know it, season's going to be underway. Man, it feels like there's a lot of momentum right now. Yeah, it does. I mean, I've been thinking about this a lot. I think the fun part about this sequence for city and for fans, I think even more so is that we, you get a bunch of milestones between starting all the way back in, you know, 2020 when the team's announced and then they hire Lutz Vantage deal in, in August. And then you progress to ultimately hiring a, you know, a head coach a year out from kicking off and bringing in those first players to play for city Two. They had the kickoff last spring uh, for city Two in, in at slew. And that was very well received. You progress on to bringing in first team players for the first time. They have this great city Two run all the way to MLS next pro final. I think all of those things are really significant. And tonight feels like another one of those Wednesday night certainly is going to feel like another one of those at city park and here on KMOX when they play bear Leverkusen and uh, ultimately leading up to, to kick off in February. I, I think they're coming thick and fast now. Yeah. Right. I mean, this is going to be five days in between two major milestones, the expansion draft when you're sort of almost entering the league officially for the first time, this first major transaction. And then on top of that, when we go on to, uh, playing the first game at City Park next week. We're looking forward to it. That's coming up on Wednesday. We'll have the broadcast. Nate's going to be on the play-by-play. He has done such a great job uh, with City 2, and now we'll hear him uh, continue on with that coming up on uh, Wednesday. A lot more about that coming up. We've got the news, a little bit more sports open line before St. Louis University women's basketball coming up here on KMOX. Swing it along with the left. That's a grand slam. You bet. 
This is Sports Open Live on America's Sports Voice. Kansas City! KMOX. Just a little while left in the program. We are taking you till 7.15 tonight, and then we are going to make way for St. Louis University women's basketball. They are hosting at uh, Chaffetz Arena tonight, SIUE. Bob Ramsey is on the call, and he'll have the broadcast for you. Uh, broadcast is technically going to begin at 7.17, so about 11 minutes from right now we are going to get underway with St. Louis University uh, women's basketball. We'll have a handful of uh, those games for you right here on uh, KMOX. We also alluded to it. We talked to all St. Louis City SC soccer in the first hour. Uh, they've got the uh, matchup that they're going to play uh, inside of City Park on Wednesday. We're going to have full coverage of that. Nate's going to be uh, leading the way, but a number of us here at KMOX are going to be part of that broadcast on Wednesday, and we are really, really excited uh, about that. So just uh, in terms of putting together the internal calendar of what you're going to be doing and what you're going to be listening to. Certainly next Wednesday, you'll want to be listening in as we're going to be making history in St. Louis as City Park is going to have its first game played in it in front of uh, the MLS season, which again will begin in February. A couple things I wanted to get to. Uh, First off, kind of a tease for something that's going to be coming up on Monday. I conducted an interview earlier today with Cardinals hitting coach uh, Turner Ward. And he is moving from the assistant hitting coach position to the main hitting coach, to the lead hitting coach position uh, for next season. I thought it was a really interesting conversation. Um, He said a lot of things because when you are a hitting coach, you are following along with an organizational hitting philosophy. But at the same time, you put your individual spin on it. You try to do what you do uh, as an individual where your strengths are to try to uh, help hitters become their best self. And I thought he had a lot of really interesting things to say. So just wanted to put that in the back of your mind as well. Coming up on Monday at 620, uh, we are going to air that for you. It was a really uh, fun conversation with uh, Turner Ward earlier today. So make sure to be tuned in for that coming up in uh, just a few days. St. Louis Blues Hockey, we're basically – because we did the entire uh, first hour to soccer, basically in this 15-minute final segment, we're just going through everything that we would have gotten to on a normal show. Uh, the Blues, they finally end that eight-game losing streak yesterday. They beat the Sharks by a 5-3 score. And now the big question is, is that just kind of a random win in what is a tough period as a tough period would continue? Or are they able to build upon that? The five goals was really good to see. Um, be just enough big saves to keep that game where it needed it to be. Um, and more than anything else, like I remind people, athletes are human beings. It's a chance to no longer be reminded that you're on a losing streak. It's a chance to go to the rink each day and not know that you haven't won a game since October 22nd. That is what that is. So you get the win, a win that you should have gotten. San Jose is not a very good team. So you get a win against a team that you're supposed to beat. And now does that turn into something more? Because this next road trip, we're going to learn a lot about whether or not uh, that, that win against San Jose is more anomaly than real. They're going to travel to Vegas. That's a tough place to play, a tough team to play. Then they're going to match up against the defending Stanley Cup champion, the Colorado Avalanche. And then you have that rivalry game against Chicago to wrap up that trip where you're going Saturday, Monday, Wednesday, really getting into 
uh, kind of the routine that is uh, a hockey season where you're playing three or four games over the course of the week. So uh, when we get through that game on Wednesday night, I think it's going to be kind of fun to look and see uh, where that Blues team is. But we cannot, we cannot overstate just the importance of yesterday's win and we, if we had more time, we'd be breaking it down. We'd be talking about how they were able to win. But the bottom line on this one is just finding the win. Getting the W next to your name was a whole lot more important uh, than anything else. One last thing I want to get to before we uh, get out of here again for St. Louis University women's basketball. The Houston Astros, like as much as, much as you want to, and th- I'm speaking for myself personally, I did my very best to kind of look past the things that have happened in that organization. Uh, I, I like Dusty Baker, so I was kind of rooting for him to get a World Series championship as a manager. But this is an organization that even if we're not talking about the cheating stuff, they're an organization that just does things in a really weird way. You know, Dusty a couple years ago had led the team to a lot of wins, and then he went into the offseason, and there was no indication about whether or not he was going to be brought back. And to a lesser extent, that was true this year. He is going to be back. The The guy who put that team together, their general manager and James Click, he's done. He's done. He's no longer their GM. He just built a team that won the World Series, and now he is out. And the reports that uh, that are out there indicate he was offered a one-year deal. He was not offered a multi-year deal. He was offered a one-year deal. He got frustrated that he was only offered a one-year deal. At the GM meetings that are going on in Las Vegas, I wouldn't say he popped off about it, but there had been a report out there that uh, he was locked in to return, and he said no, and negotiations are still going. And he didn't hide the fact that he was a little bit disappointed with the way things were going in those negotiations. And evidently, uh, the the Astros and their team owner, Jim Crane, did not appreciate the fact that Click openly spoke about the fact that he was not happy with the way contract negotiations were going, that he was not happy with only receiving a one-year deal, and he gets fired. He was, he was essentially fired today. They stopped. It was not a case of him just not accepting a one-year deal. It was a case of the Astros wanted him gone. They rescind the one-year deal, and he is out after building a World Series champion. And those are the types of things that, for one reason or another, those things tend to happen in Houston. And I don't know why, because the thing about the Astros is they might be the team that has the best player development in Major League Baseball. They might be the team that drafts as well as anybody in all of Major League Baseball. They do a lot of things right, and that's why they've won as many games as they have. But from a human being perspective, from a loyalty perspective, how in the world do you take a general manager that just built the team that won the World Series and only offer them a one-year deal? How is that possible. So shame on the Houston Astros. And I kind of go back to a place where see, I just think people deserve to be treated in, in a correct kind of way. And I don't like the fact that they, they treated click the way they did here. So it's one of those things where I'd found myself kind of rooting for the Astros to win the world series because of dusty Baker. 
this this puts a, a bad taste in my mouth again, just the way that they go about doing uh, their business. There's already some uh, reports out there that they may go after uh, former Brewers general manager David Stearns. Stearns stepped down from that position this year. He is working uh, as an advisor. He still uh, is going to uh, be under contract with Milwaukee for another year. So if they wanted to get him, they would have to get permission from the Brewers. So the the, the theory, the speculation around uh, this whole thing is the reason they hired offered Click a one-year deal was that he would do one more year, and then maybe they would bring in Stearns after that. Stearns had been the assistant general manager in Houston before going to Milwaukee. Now who knows what happens. If he really wants to go there, I'm sure there's a way the Astros could pay the Brewers to, uh, to get him there. But it's just a really, really odd situation that's going on there uh, in Houston as a general manager, does not get to uh, participate in defending a World Series championship, which absolutely is a bummer for him. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Sports Open Line. Thanks so much for being tuned in. Thanks to uh, Nate Gatter for sticking around for the whole first hour talking about the uh, expansion draft. St. Louis University, Billiken, women's basketball on the way next right here on KMOX. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.